This is Peak Earth. I'm Case Bradford. Thank you for tuning in to this episode with Tiger Joseph. Tiger is a creative director, a strategist, a storyteller, an expert on all things video. We discuss the school system and society at large, as well as cinema specifically, getting started on YouTube, mastering YouTube. And there were some explicit moments in this conversation, just in case you do have sensitive ears there. You have that warning. It's a wide-ranging conversation. I really hope you enjoy it. If you'd like to contribute to Peak Earth in any way, here are a few ideas. You could share an episode with a member of your family or a friend. You could leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. That's always cool. You could make flyers and staple them up to the telephone poles in your neighborhood. You could rent an airplane, a small airplane, and fly a banner off the back to tell people about the podcast. You don't have to do any of that, of course. I, I do deeply appreciate everyone who has taken the time to listen to this. Thank you. Hope you enjoy this episode with Tiger. How's it going? How are you doing good, brother? How about you? I'm doing great. And I know that's not a term of endearment that I'm calling you Tiger. That's that's your real name. Yes. Yes. Everyone likes to think it's some calling name or some, um, you know, something I made up to sound cool on Twitter. No, it's just my name. It's a cool name. Did Is there a story behind your parents giving you that name? Yeah, so it has nothing to do with golf. Um, basically, my was it my bob my baba who is my dad my dad's side of my family is all Syrian heritage. Um, my baba had a farm in Ohio, and my dad and all my uncles used to go up there and do hard farm labor during uh, you know during the week and whatnot and the summers and things like that. Um, and as a calling name, my Baba would use tiger instead of like buddy or son or whatever. So that just kind of got passed down on to me. And now I, I've been christened with that name. Nice. Nice. Did you grow up in Ohio? No. So basically I grew up in California, Carlsbad area. And, um, but my dad was all Ohio and then he did like multiple cross country trips, um, North Carolina, Georgia, went to school in Georgia, you know, UGA, um, cross country to California, back to UGA, cross country, like just all, she's been all around the country. Um, And then my mom was California all her life. And then they met in California and then boom, I was in California for the first 22 years of my life. Nice. And and you're currently in Austin? Yes. Yep. How do you like it? How do you like it out there? Austin's interesting because... You know, I, I didn't go to San Diego, the city that much. I stayed more on the beach towns, but Austin is very similar to San Diego as like a, just a pure me- metropolitan area. Um, it's even down to like how close it is to water, you know, cause we got the Colorado river going through Austin where I'm at. So yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a cool city for, um, it's a cool city if you want to do stuff, not just, not just like fun things but like if you want to like do business things and meet people that meet cool people that are like moving to um you know the this is like top three hottest city in america right now probably it's like austin miami new york's always up there la will always have its charm um but yeah these are like the cities right now that are that are popping off yeah it's really really vibrant and alive been out there um past couple years for a week or so at a time visiting friends who moved out there from LA during the 
pandemic lockdowns and yeah, it's, it's a cool spot. There's so much space. There's so much land. The cost is lower. Like the people there are cool. They're young, it seems like, and, and have a lot of energy. It's, it's a special place in the world right now. Yeah. My buddy says it's a city. <laughs> it's funny. He says it's like a city for like 30 to 35 year olds. And that's, 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 that is true. Right. If you're like, yeah, you're not quite having kids yet, but you're like kind of thinking about it. Then that's like the age range that Austin, Austin typically is at least like out, out and about doing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like housing is actually affordable there too, on, as opposed to at least in the Los Angeles area. It's, well, it, it's funny. Cause when I was living in uh, California, like it was right before the inflation and stuff started to take off. So I was like, that was my baseline. And then I thought going to Austin was going to be cheaper, but as I was moving, everything spiked. And then, so I get here and like, everything's the same price. Damn. So from, from what it was in Cal- now, everything in California is expensive now, but like for me, I just side graded like all my costs. So I thought I was getting a deal. I was like, eh, not really. Damn. I, I like to think about, well, what's, what's the next Austin? Like what's the next Miami? What are this? What's the city now? It's a little bit undercover. Tennessee. I think Tennessee, um, you know, people like people always say like Idaho too. um, which is like kind of in this pack, but just because it's so damn cold that people, a lot of people don't don't want to go there. But yeah, Tennessee. Um, I think Tennessee is the next call. I think the climate is perfect. I think the location is sick. I think you're near the Appalachians. You got a lot of great people there. You have Nashville, which is like one of the most unique and amazing cities in the U.S. Um, nature, you know, it's just like, and everything's still very cheap there. So that's, that's my call for the next, uh, next top spot coming up. Yeah. That sounds like a good one. What do you do out there? I've seen you writing a lot about YouTube, which is, which is intriguing. And I know you are a filmmaker and, and have a lot of expertise in that, in that area. What, what's like a day to day to day sort of look like for you? There is no day to day for me. It's all random. Um, but typically I'll have to, I'll have to generalize this because you know, to, to give it some to to productize it, let's say. Um, yeah, I wake up. I wake up around eight thirty every day. I don't do a five thirty a.m. wake up. Like, come on. I, 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 like, if you're working out hard and you're working on a business and you have like, a, and you're my age and whatever, like, you're going to bed at on like eleven to twelve to one. You're not going to be going to bed at nine thirty every night. And you're waking up at five thirty. Get your, get your get your affirmations in and get your coffee and, and do your yoga. No, like I wake up, I stretch, I stretch out my shoulder because I have a um, a week. You know, I had a shoulder injury when I was a kid, and so I've just been nursing it back to health, strengthening it every day. It's almost like 100 percent now. It's really it's like 89 percent there. I would say so. I do that a little bit. Um, then I force myself to eat something because I'm trying to bulk right now, and because. My habit is to just like I, I if I if I ate one meal a day I'd be fine, but I'm like I must bulk. So I get up, spam food in my mouth, um, you know always always good whole foods right. But um and then yeah I I usually just get straight to work you know like basically after I'm after I'm done with food, my mind is just work, and I work probably until twelve. This can be a combination of you know video editing for clients. This can be a combination of outreach. This can be a combination. Like, I don't, I don't have like, this is my outreach time. This is my content time. It's like, Oh, if I go on Twitter and I go on LinkedIn and it's kind of dead, then I'll work or I'll edit 
you know, I'll do some outreach. If I go on and it's kind of like pop it off, I have some, have some mentions and whatnot, then I'll spur to make some, some content at the moment. It really just depends on that day. Then I usually, you know, I always try to get outside because here, you know, it's freaking 72 and sunny in just in January, which I wasn't expecting. I thought it was going to be a bit colder, but, um, yeah, I get outside in the sun, do, do a workout. And then, yeah, like the second half of my day is, is usually work just by default, just because why not? can keep growing um but you know i'll do i you know i have some scripts right now i'm working on for things i'll play this bass i'm trying to learn that um yeah i got my kickboxing stuff over there i might train that a bit you know it's really just i'm really just like vibes <laughs> i just wake up and i just follow my intuition on what to do and there really is no set set time time frame timeline that i have every day um other than going to bed around the same time and waking up around the same time so i think that's the most important thing yeah those those are those are important and a big reason why we connected and why i wanted to make this podcast with you is because you are someone with a great sense of humor like you you've made me laugh through the internet which is awesome and and you're like you're original you're an original well, guy. Good. Like there, there aren't there are a lot of people out there who I think are afraid to be themselves or maybe haven't quite connected with whatever that is, and and they're sort of just uh, you know fitting fitting the mold that society wants them to fit. And you seem like someone who's sort of break, broken out of that mold. You found you've connected with whatever it is to you know that makes someone unique, and and you're expressing it out in the world, which I always really appreciate. Originality is it's one of my favorite things in the world. And whenever I find it, it's like a form of nourishment. I'm like ah yes, like somebody's being an original person. So. Yeah it's, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I like, I mean, I follow that with everything I'm doing, like with my outreach, right? If I see your profile and you're like, cookie cutter profile, you have MSM accolades in your profile, you're like, you know, really crazy. I do lead gen for business. Like, I'm just not even going to reach out to you. Like, we're not going to, that's not going to work out, bro. Um, but if you're like, I, if I read your bio and it's like unique, cool. And I see your profile picture and it's unique, cool that's a sign for me to act and, and reach out and whatnot. Like if I see, if I see you going out and trying to be original and trying to self-actualize and trying to like be your own person and do something unique in yourself, then that's somebody I can connect with on a, on a good level. But if you're just like a guy that's running a business and you're just like copying other people trying to run a business and like, eh, it might be cool, but I'm not going to like go out of my way to reach out with outreach and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I mean, basically I, I worked at Vans when I was like 18, 17, something like that. And then I got my first video client. I was just like, yeah, I'm never working a job again. I just dipped. And uh, yeah, I've just been doing that ever since. I, I, I always hated school, like school and getting told what to do. But it was weird. Like, it, was a, it was a paradox, right? Because I was very, um, I was very fearful of authority, but all, like, um, you know, like apathetic against it. Like I just, I just did what I needed to do. I didn't, I, I wasn't a kid that like acted out. I did not like like I was not the kid that was like scheming and doing shit when I was in high school. Like I just, bro, I just played Counter-Strike, you know, like I played Counter-Strike and then, um, you know, like I would go out and, you know, I would do, you know, I'd smoke and drink with my friends occasionally, but it wouldn't be like, it wasn't like, I wasn't going to fucking parties. I wasn't the guy, you know, I was just the kid that was there, you know, I was there. I wasn't the, I wasn't bullied, wasn't popular. I was just like, nobody's going to remember me. And so, um, but then I got out of high school and school itself. And then this isn't something I realized during this process, but this is just looking back like, man, school just sucks. 
and it's just a terrible system in public school is just a, just one of the worst systems ever created by other humans yeah. to put children in and it um i just realized that like every day since i've got out of public school it's just been vacation and i just realized like wait wait so life is just vacation but public school is just hell and so from there i was just able to actually like be something, be somebody myself, you know, kind of like act into my own things, figure out my, you know, figure out all these things. And then I, you know, went down all the rabbit holes of the Peterson and the Bible and the, you know, the self-improvement, all, all the stuff. Right. And so, um, shout out Mike Cernovich. And so, you know, it, it was just one of those things where once you got out of school and you got out of like teachers telling you to do work that, you know, is going to be useless. They probably know is, is useless. And you are doing it just to like get a, a letter grade so you can go to a college you can keep doing that and then you can like fuck stupid yeah i don't want that so yeah i basically just ever since i got out of school it's just been great <laughs> honestly like no matter if i if i complained if anything was if anything was bad if i ever say anything was bad i'm being a bitch but secondly too it's all relative right like I, the worst day post school post public school for me is like 10 times better than the best day at public school. So, um, yeah, like, yeah, I love life. That's I'm uh, yeah. Some sounds like we had very similar sort of experience in our younger years. Um, pretty much aligned with that. The kind of people that we were in, in school and then our experience in school, it was just some sort of terrible, horrible, uh, experience. And I know it gets a lot worse in other parts of the world. No, oh, here's the thing. Here's the thing though. Like, it was bad for me. I went to a great, like a great school. I went to a beach town, like public, you know, it's like 80% affluent white, like all, all, all the stuff that you want, right. All the stuff that they say is like needed. And I, it was still shit. Like it's, it's, it's just a bad system. So like, God, if you're in an, if you're in an interstate, if you're in like a New York PS 1045 or whatever, like God bless you because you, I, I can't even imagine what that's like. Um, but yeah, it's uh it's just like it doesn't matter who's teaching it doesn't matter what where you are it doesn't matter how early you get out it doesn't matter if you have free freedom for to go out to, for lunch like we did it's just like the actual system of go, waking up at seven going to this thing you hate all day and being bored all day associating life with boredom it's just criminal it's treason just jail it everybody does seem diabolical point. as if it was designed to just ruin humans and just like, t take their potential and squish it early and just be like sit in this chair all day eat the worst possible food imaginable sit under these floors and like to be forced to pay attention to nonsense for like eight hours a day every day yeah it's like it's horrible yeah i mean i remember this too like I remember like when Michelle Obama came in and I remember when like the food changed and like the, the white buns turned to wheat buns. Like it was all, it was like, like the whole neoliberal policy system. It's, it was literally all service deep like that. It was like, Oh, we're changing the white buns to the wheat buns. Oh, we're, you're getting low fat brownies. Now it's just like, they just put like dumb labels on everything, but I could still walk up and buy chimichangas, burritos, brownies, cookie, like all this crap, Nesquik, right? get like a hundred grams of sugar at lunch, get a bunch of seed oils and toxins in me, go back to class, learn something I hate, repeat over and over again, blah, blah, blah. It's just like, come on. It's just a system of hell control yeah. for children. It, it's uh, and I don't think it was designed that way is, you know, designed to just make efficient factory workers way back, way back when in the industrial revolution, now we're in completely different times and it doesn't serve us really in any way. What, what do you think a school system should look like in an ideal world? What would be sort of the day to day, 
you know, life in a school, school kid person. I would just, you just go for like a small period of time. You just, you like the only thing, like you basically just, it's trivium, quadrivium, just basic classical learning education. And then you just read the entire Western canon from like the Bible to, I don't know, like someone like James Joyce or like who I haven't even read. I'm not trying to like name drop, but just like, um, that's the last author I can think of. Right. Like just read everything, get baseline first principle knowledge. Don't worry about facts. Don't worry about individual, like whatever, just get insane first principle knowledge on everything. Get the kids outside a bunch to do it too. Like have them be outside like as much as the, if the sun's out, like have school be outside, you know, unless it's like, you know, if it's in like the South and it's a hundred degrees and there's mosquitoes, like I get that. But like, you know, like get kids outside, get kids moving. Right. Um, segregate by gender, right. Boys should go to boys school. Girls should go to girls school, but then school should be short. And then you can go out and do everything else after. Cause I think, you know, having experiences with the other sex is obviously super needed and natural and whatnot, but you should just learn in your own thing. So you're not, you're not like that's you're not in class like distracted right just minimize distractions make it really serious make it really focused on first principles make it stuff that's so legit and useful and interesting in itself right like learning about morality learning about how the world how the how the world actually works how reality works right how how um numbers and music and and grammar why this is important and rhetoric and all these things and learn it on the very first principles level and then when you go out in the world then you're good. Yeah, you don't need to know individual minor facts on how this thing like you can just, you know, you can go you can do what you want. You can you can forge your own path from that point, you know, because you have first principles knowledge, so you can just follow your intuition at that point. And you can follow whatever, um, you know, belief structure you're you're a part of and you can figure out your own path from there. You don't need you don't need these like state funded adults to tell you what you need to do. Yeah. Yeah, there does seem to be within each of us an innate spark of, of curiosity and, and leaning towards what will be useful in our own individual path. And uh, if we're all jammed into a room to learn algebra, it's like, there's a reason why most people become despondent and are forced. Basically. Case, have you ever used algebra? Have you ever used I algebra? Know. I don't even, I don't even remember what it is at this point. I, I, I could not. Continue. Y equals MX plus B. Y equals MX plus B. Have you used <laughs> no. it? But I mean, if it's great. No. We don't, we don't do anything. No, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's just mental. It's just mental. Like, man, it, you, it's like anti-learning at this point. Like you, you, you learn stuff that you have to unlearn if you want to be like, like a normal educated person. Like if you want to actually know, have, have knowledge, you have to unlearn school. That's a lot of the game of of becoming an adult and and being successful in the world is, is like remediating all the damage that was done for the first, you know, 22 years of your life. Not just, you know, from the posture of sitting from the horrible food that we're given (laughs) from the terrible information that we're implanted with. Yeah. And so I'm thinking like, yeah, so I'm thinking like, okay, so if I'm, if I'm starting from negative one and I'm like working my way back to zero and then one, if I just keep my kids at zero, then they'll be better than me. So I'll just, I'm just going to do that. Just everything that I didn't like, I'm just not going to put my kids through. It's just as simple as that. Like when I was a kid and I was like, mom, I hate school. I just want to work. And they're like, Oh, school is so good for you. Blah, blah, blah. No, I was right. I'm sorry, mom. I was right. School was terrible. And I could have, I could have been working at like 13. I could have had a, functional job as a retail person or whatever. I could be working from 13 to 
18, 19, 20, and I would have learned way more, right? If I just had 13 to 20 and I just read books and worked, I would have had way better education than going to public school. And then also do the last thing with public school is the, the, the bullying aspect yeah. to it where like, this wasn't super common with mine, but it was like, as I was leaving elementary school and middle school, like these viruses started to take over. Um, but like the thing where like, if you, if, if, if somebody punches you, you can't like punch them back. Or if somebody like punches a girl, you can't like go punch them because then you, you get, they get suspended, but then you get suspended for like, cause v- violence in any form is bad, which is just the worst message you can give to a yeah. boy ever, because that's how you just, that's how you just, you just drill in their mind that using force using masculine force to stop injustice to stop criminal behavior to stop immorality is like is is bad and you shouldn't do it and then oh look what we have today we have a bunch of people doing criminal and immoral shit that we can't actually deal with because we're a bunch of pussies yeah so yeah even that's my thinking even something like dodgeball was like oh this is you know against the rule because it's it's too violent to hit someone with a ball that is like pretty soft and cushy that was thrown and th- there's value in did you have a did you have like the actual dodgeballs oh, yeah. like the the handball dodgeballs yeah those like sort of rubbery ones that if it would like leave a mark on the thing yeah you had yeah, those yeah, yeah. you had yeah, okay we didn't have those we had these like it's the best we had these like pure EVA foam like little pussy boy things that like you throw and you know, like, you, you know, in dodgeball movies, you chuck this thing, those will go in a straight line, those will dome a kid and you like yeah. knock somebody out, right? And sick. Yeah. But with these things, you chuck it, and it go, you know, it'll go like 15 feet, and then it'll just, and it'll just like, they, they were like safety balls or whatever. And I just remember that, like, I thought that was normal. And then I seen the movies, they're like chucking these like, you know, these like rubber balls. I'm just like, Oh, my God, I got psyoped that young. We we boiled down everything's them. a psyop. It's that's the number one problem in education is, is the the dodgeball balls need need to go back to the real deal otherwise yes. they're never going to learn yes. consequences. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Yep, proving ground. So you, it sounds like you didn't even go to college. You were you were running your own business since you were eighteen, nineteen. You said. I mean, yeah. I mean, I did my, um, you know, I did like community college at, just to like appease my parents for like one year. And then in like 2020, yeah, I started in 2019 and then 2020, like I took a semester, but like, I didn't actually take a semester. Like I, I probably shouldn't go look at all those grades because they're probably all F's if I look back through the records because I didn't do anything. I didn't show up to class. I wasn't doing any work. Like I was just like, I don't, nah, nah. So, um, yeah, I just had, I'm like. I'm like, the fact I can make money without school, I'm never doing school. I don't care how, I don't care if this is so tough for the first like five, 10 years, I'm going to do this because I hate school. Awesome. Yeah. That's, so that, that's a, a high level of confidence at a fairly young age and in an alignment with your path. I'm pretty fascinated by filmmaking. What, what sort of, what, what's your take on it at this point, being, being immersed in it for all these years and making projects that were successful enough to support your career. What, what's your what's your take on the art? Oh, well, that's broad. <laughs> um, I mean, the pro- the problem for me is that the past like year and a half, I haven't really done anything for myself. It's just been a lot of client work. 
um, which big goal for this year is to like make three films again, just to, just to do, I don't care if they're the best things I've ever done. I just want to get something out there again. Um, I think that, you know, I think that the big movie studios are really inefficient. They're criminal enterprises. They're probably tons of pedophiles in them. Um, and there's just like no way that I would ever submit my visions to, of things to a studio. I would much rather just grow a following online or like piggyback off my buddy's following who who's part of the film or whatever and get, get like a bunch of people together and just like make a movie, self-fund it or crowdfund it, you know, like Mike Cernovich did with Hoaxed. And, uh, you know, just just do it our way and not have to worry about what we say, what countries we offend, what like jokes we can and can't put into it, what, um, you know, what actors we can't cast, what themes we can't push. Like, I'm no, like, that's what I hate. I, I hate getting told what to do by fat, ugly bureaucrats that want to just like crush your spirit and just like, just like everything these are the rules and you must follow the rules and if you do not follow the rules then we're going to write you up and i have i am i am just the letter of the law i have no spirit of the law so i i i'm not actually a person i'm just a conduit for these demonic rules right hate that i hate that concept and so any anytime that somebody pushes that against me oh you have to make a film a certain way oh you have to make this my instinctive drive and it's got me in trouble for certain things which is which i have better discernment for now um because I'm not quite sure if it's legit or a trauma response or something. Could be both. But the um the the you know, my, my instinct is to be like, no, like I'm gonna do it my way. And so that allows great art to come out equally. It's not very good for client projects sometimes, but um and which is what I've learned. Like 2018, 19 made 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 some big mistakes trying to force it my way, but now I have a I have a much better calibration of like, okay, if this is like this is what I want. And this is like what the client wants. I can pace and lead them maybe not to hear, but to hear. And so, um, you know, that's what I always try to do. Just like insert my opinion, but yeah, like I want to just make films my way. And if, um, the studio system isn't going to allow that. And also too, they take huge cuts royalties. You don't actually, you know, it's like, it's the property of the, of the studio. It's not your property, which is dumb. I want to be able to sell that. I want people to pirate it. You know, I want just people to watch it. And so, yeah, like I think, um, you know, with everything else, with everything breaking down, like studios are one just one part of an institution breaking down. And I think that in, you know, over the next five, 10, 20 years, like independent filmmaking is going to become sick again, especially with online audiences. Like there's no need for a studio anymore. That lands that lands with me. I can't remember the last time there was a good movie that came out of the studio system because they've all become similar to the dodgeball. They've all become these like soft balls that don't quite land because they've just been you know neutered yeah yeah i mean what's the last thing what's the last thing i saw i know i saw a movie fairly recently see i can't even remember um <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know i'm a, like all the all the movies that i watch are like kind of old on some level you know um you know we just like we, like we watched lord of the rings the trilogy you know, um, two weekends ago. Um, let's see. I watched the fountain. I watched dark city. I watched, let me think. Yeah. Like those are the movies I've I've most recently watched. So like, these are, you know, these are all like oldish movies, at least in early two thousands or whatever. Um, 
And yeah, like I just have no, like I just see the movie posters today and I'm just like, no, like, no, no. Like I'm not going to watch Dwayne The Rock Johnson in some like meme PG-13, like over-sexualized crime boss thing. You know, I'm not going to watch him be like a cuck for, you know, the corporate interest and whatever. I'm not going to watch Kevin Hart, like make a fool of himself for, for two hours and, you know, be subservient to somebody. I don't want to watch your Mary Sue, Gary Stu bullshit, you know, whatever. I don't want to watch that. And you're not going to make me watch it. And I'm going to, I'm going to go out of my way to make better things than you. Who are some of your favorite directors or or what are some of your favorite films that you have seen? Um, well, I always, like, here's the thing. I love Stanley Kubrick. He's, I think he's the best, the greatest director in all of human history. Um, I think he has, I think he was the, he was one of the few to like master cinematography, master lighting, master um, themes in movies. Like he was one of the few. He's one of the few like directors that like there's like six layers to his movies, and he was like he st- he uh, he studied like English cryptography and whatnot. Like he knew he knew the principles of like coding and code reading in movies and like multiple layers of movies. That's why like 2001 is actually like a you know, it's a, it's a service level about aliens or whatever, but there's like a deeper level of like how, like it's, it's literally like a, a playbook of how government psyops work. And then there's like a playbook of how, like, that's how like movie, the movie industry works itself. Like there's multiple levels to this thing. So I always like that, but temperamentally and, um, sort of like worldview wise, I'm, I'm very different from Kubrick. So I don't, I never want to, um, I never like I, I appreciate his work and that's why I can like his work because I think I this is not the type of stuff that I can make or that I want to make you know but I lo- but I can extract all these principles from like that I'm going to apply to my own stuff um temperamentally like very different very into like deep research and nuts and bolts and this and that I'm I'm less I'm more like on the fly vibe um intuition um i'm really into like you know i i have a comedic edge to me i like satire like that type of stuff kubrick kubrick satire is his most famous one was dr strangelove right and you know he he never really tapped into that um i guess clockwork orange is kind of a satire but you know it, it he, he wasn't a comedy maker let's put it that way and i think comedy movies are garbage and i want to fix that um yeah but yeah we're just like different personalities but i just i think i, I respect his work on such a deep level um that you know every time i like have a question on something i just always like refer to like what did kubrick do and then i try to just extract that principle and apply it to my own thing um in terms of other directors honestly i can't really tell i think steven spielberg is super overrated personally i think he is like one of the most overrated directors in of all time i think his movies are all the same there's not they're not super they're like, they're like movies for kids, but he's like 65 and he's still making movies for kids. Like every movie of his is for kids. I'm not, I'm not like, they're all happy endings. They're all whimsical. They're all like, they all have like really bad, um, like deus ex machina type things with the characters. They all have really bad, um, he just like plays with the underdog way too hard. Like you just know what's going to happen with a Spielberg movie. There's just no... It's just not interesting um, at this point. And um, yeah, so like, and I, I would say too, I'm like, I'm not some like cinephile, you know, 
I don't even I don't watch that many movies. I read more books than I watch movies, and um, which I think is better if you want to make films because then you're acting from your own impulses and you're testing things and you're getting learned experience versus trying to watching a bunch of movies, getting a bunch of ways to do things in your head. And then like, as you're shooting, you're just like thinking about all those things and then you're not, it's not, not really your own ideas. Yeah. You get to use your imagination more to that way, which is really the fuel for filmmaking more than other people's films. Yeah, basically. Um, yeah, it's um, I think it's the it's 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 still an untapped art, and I think with like, um, how how cheap everything is getting, like my iPhone, I can't find it right now. My iPhone is ten times better than the stuff that Stanley Kubrick was using. Wow. Ten times better. Yeah. My my um, you know, like the stuff behind me, like like the mic and stuff like that. Like anybody right now can spend five hundred dollars and get a a studio quality setup, right? That you can, because again, gear doesn't matter that much really at all. Um, it matters for like, if you want to do, I want to do very specific creative thing that I've mapped out and there's like three steps to actually do it. Okay. Gear matters. But for most people telling a story, gear does not matter. You can make a film, you can make a story with your iPhone, with no audio equipment, with no lighting equipment, whatever. And it will, people will love it. People will love it. And so I just think, yeah, I think that there's going to be a, um, there's going to be a quiet revolution of filmmaking in the next 20 years. From my perception of it, and I'm curious what you think of this, in a way it's happening, but it's happening in these short form videos in these platforms like TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, in these seven second stories that are capturing significantly more attention than um, movies that then, you know, then the industrial film system, which was probably, that was the primary medium when we were growing up, it was like TV and movies. And now it's shifted to these like really short vertical videos. Like they're, most of them are just kind of, uh, I'd say 99% of them are, are, I don't know what you'd call them, you know, I don't want to say valueless, but there's not much, you know, really there, but there are some of them that are just like really amazing. They're content. Yes. They're content. They're not art. So what's the difference between content and art? I think for me, this is kind of crude and you could probably pick at it, but generalized heuristic content is something you do to make money for other people. Art is something you do to make satisfaction and money for yourself. Um, which is why I've always, there's always been that struggle for me because I'm a very, like, I just want to make my art. I want to make my thing. Yeah. And I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to like, I don't want to like bend to the will of the masses or whatever, but it's what you got to do. Um, I do think short form is going to be important, but I don't think it's going to be, it's going to take over film. I don't think that the, the, the drive for watching a six part miniseries or a two hour movie is going away. I just don't think that. Um, and I think that, you know, like no matter how much short form content you watch, it's it, like people you go on YouTube, right? There's hour videos. People watch the whole thing. They love it. They just love stories and they love, um, they love like new information. They love revelation and they love, um, good production quality. They love, they love seeing what other people love, you know? And so I think if you can do that, then yeah, like there's, there's definitely ton. you, you know, short form is fantastic for the marketing of that. Definitely. Like you can get, you cannot market by sharing a two-hour movie and be like, "Watch it, watch it, watch it." Is there a preview? No, 
Is there clips? No. Just watch it. It's like, it's not going to work out. But if you have clips of it, if you have trailers going out, boom, boom, you're spamming that. You have a good social media strategy on top of that. You know, you are pumping out, um, you know, you, you, you're actually making behind the scenes content yet again. You're pumping that out. You're behind the scenes docs. You're, you're, you're posting your production process on Twitter, on Instagram and whatnot. You're showing behind the scenes what there. You're building up a following for the film and yourself and you're building a story, but you're having, you're showing the meta story, right? Um, the story of, of the story. And so I think that's going to be what's most important. That's, that's where short form content is going to come into play. And for anyone listening, this strategy, these principles that you're talking about are, are applicable for marketing anything on the internet these days. It doesn't have to be a film that you're making. It could be a business that you're starting. It, it can be basically anything. Showing the story behind the story and these little bite-sized pieces are a great way to market pretty much any enterprise. And I know you've been big mm-hmm. into YouTube lately, sharing a lot of tips and strategies around that. And one of your aims for this year is, is to grow a following on YouTube and to create a lot more art on there. What, what gets you stoked about YouTube and, and how are you kind of approaching approaching this this uh, mission? Yeah, well, it gets me stoked for two ways. One, um, the first one is I think YouTube is the future for clients. I think that, you know, with my video skills and with just knowing the algorithm really well, um, I've been around YouTube for like 10 years. I've seen, I went through all Freddie Wong stuff. I went through, like, I, 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 I know YouTube really well. And, you know, just seeing... Um, you know, seeing more of these creators kind of get tired with Twitter and tired with these short stuff and wanting to build a more sustainable evergreen audience. YouTube is just the way to go. Um, if you know your niche, you can just post great videos with great thumbnails on there and keep people on there and people will keep coming and people will book calls with you just because they like your videos. Um, and every time you post a video, people will book calls every time. Um, once you hit a certain level of subscribers, only about five to 20 K people will be booking calls with you. And so it's like the, and also too, passive viewing with AdSense, right? You second, you hit thousand subs and whatever, you can flick on your, your, your monetization. If you're in a good niche, if you know what you're doing with AdSense, you can make, you know, it's not going to replace your income. Sorry, let's put it that way. It's not, it's not magic trick, but it's, it's passive free money for posting videos. Like, you know, if you get 50 to hundred bucks per video you post, then that covers the time of you spending, you know, 20, 30 minutes shooting it. There you go. Cool. That's how you can frame it. So basically at the end of the day, once you get the AdSense on, you get your subs, YouTube is free um, to, to put it, put your effort in. So there's that. Then the second angle is while I'm working with those people, um, growing my own channel, because what I want to do is get a, get an audience that's really interested in edit, interested and enjoys editing, film, media, um, sort of like sort of the ideas that I like to talk about, you know, like how school is busted up and how whatever is whatever. Um, and I want to, you know, I think it's way easier to attract and keep an audience on YouTube once you figure out what you're doing. And it's the people that are subbing to you and watching your videos, you're going to have a way deeper connection with them than somebody who just kind of like likes your tweets. Um, and so... Yeah, and also too, it's it's a video and film platform. If I make video and film content with love on there, then it's going to show. And then once I, you know, if I ever need funding, say I have 100K subs, right? If I ever need film funding or if I'm trying to do anything, I can just make a page and just be like, yeah, I'm trying to raise like 2,500 bucks for this film so we can get some equipment. Do you want to donate? Boom, easy, it's done. And so... That's, I think that, that, that I think is the future. Um, and then also too, 
make money from my films with the AdSense by, you know, making some products right around, around filmmaking or whatever, you know, there's, there's like tons of, tons of different ways for the monetization, for the growth. And that thing just fell. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm into it for a lot of those same reasons and have been having it in my mind to make more videos. I got really lucky with some video I I made of a jujitsu match on the beach against a tourist from Korea where we were rolling and um, that ended up getting 420,000 views. And I got like a bunch of subscribers from that. I was like, whoa, that's amazingly lucky. Um, Hadn't gone viral like that since I was in college writing some blog about cannabis entertainment. And it was was nice. It It was pretty cool to go viral again, but it got me thinking like, well, how can I like engage with YouTube more as a creative medium? Because I enjoy this more than TikTok, more than Instagram. And, and it's different, yeah. different from Twitter in, in a lot of important ways. So I'm contemplating like, well, what, what, what's like a good place? How do I approach this? You know, as, as a, it's a platform is kind of an open space and, and we've got so many opportunities to kind of be creative on there. And like you said, the best way is to have a niche and then make a good thumbnail and then post videos about that. And I think a lot of people are daunted by YouTube because they think, you know, the production quality needs to be super high or it needs to be really. Well, yeah, they hear all this. Yeah, they hear all the steps and they think like, oh, my gosh, I can't do any of that. It's way I, I personally, I think it's easier than the short form platforms because you're not worried about so many damn tiny videos. You know, you're not worried about making so much content. And like to me, that stuff hurts my head, <laughs> like dealing with like 20 short form videos a month and having to edit them and get all the captions like that is that's like. that's like it's like disgusting um but with with long form it's like you don't need to post every day you don't need to post every week you don't need to post every month you can and because that's the thing with youtube you can go you take a year hiatus repost a video and you will get all your all your followers will see it everybody will love it people it they will spike your video again um you can take your time with this stuff right you don't need to rush everything i can put together a video and it'll be, you know, it could take a month, maybe it can take you two weeks, but you can put together a video, right? Say you want to make like a really nice, you know, course on like a basic workout that somebody can do with some philosophy tucked in there, or you want to do some, like, um, you want to film like a nice flow, right. Of like whatever you're doing, right. And, or you, or you want to do the, your flow and you want to make a little montage from it or whatever, you don't need to get all that done immediately. You don't need to be worrying about, oh my gosh, you're going to forget whatever. It's good to have a cadence. It's good to have like a reasonable sort of, yeah, videos coming out roughly this amount of time. It'll keep your audience sort of clued in. But yeah, like you can, you can spend time on the thumbnail. You can spend, you can like, you know that you can spend time on things without feeling guilty about it. You can spend time on that thumbnail and spend two hours on that thumbnail, get really down into it and you know that those two hours of work are going to make a huge difference versus me just throwing nothing up there. You know that. Let me put go really deep with this editing. It was going to take me two days to edit. I'm going to take a week to edit this thing so I can get it perfect, right? If I need to, um, you know, maybe I need to like hunt for like the exact picture or I need to find the, the exact transition. I'm not going to just cope and use something that's 80% as good. I'm going to find exactly. Your audience will realize that. And as long as your, your, um, your hook is really good. Your title is really good and your thumbnail is really good. And your content is, is just well paced and it's good. It's enjoyable. It's like there's clear care. You will blow up on YouTube. There's people get really in the weeds with it, but it's, 
it's like those four things are hard enough to work on. And if you just, if you focus on them, you'll get it. There are a ton of people I know on Twitter who have, who are growing and are successful and their thought of extending their sort of content constellation is Substack because it's a natural extension. Like I write on Twitter, so I'm going to go write on, on Substack. And my thought is like, okay, why are you, I know a lot of people that write Substacks. I don't know anybody who reads Substack and it's not the shit on Substack, but it's like the attention and the value is like turn that energy away from writing long form and, and learn how to make videos on, on YouTube. Like, like you're saying, these are great reasons why. And in, in my opinion, and that I agree with you, I think there, there is, you know, there's some angle be like, okay, you love writing. You're a craftsman who wants to, you know, put words on a page fine. But like, are you really trying to make an impact in the world at the end of the day? If you are, Substack's not the place you're really going to do that. It, it's going to be on YouTube. Yeah. Like my Substack is just like a dumping ground for things. Because I, I, I like writing long form and I, ha- I don't really have an intention to like, to like make that a huge part of my life, that Substack right now. Um I, I do plan eventually, like maybe that could, maybe uh, I'm toying with the idea of like, maybe that could be a cool way to like release a film is make it Substack exclusive or whatever. Um, but honestly, the main, the main thing that I'm thinking of is I just use it for fun. I use it to write cause I love writing. I like, I like doing that. I don't care if it, I don't care if it doesn't make money. Like I just, I, that, and I don't have a cadence with it. Right. I go two months without writing anything on there, but when I want to, I go on there. Um, but yeah, I think with YouTube, it's easier to stick to it and to, cause you have that immediate feedback of like, Oh, this got a bunch of views. Oh, this got comments. Like even with my little crappy videos that I threw up there purely to test, like, I just wanted to like, just play with the algorithm a bit, get creating again, just really basic stuff was not that like those videos I posted are not like my channel is going to be just this. Um, um, yeah, I, it, I got like a few hundred views just from like, just from throwing random stuff out there, not really caring about any hooks or thumbnail, like no thumbnails, no thumbnails. And like random people were finding my videos like, bro, this helped me so much. Oh my God, you're speaking the truth, bro. Like you can do something with the tiniest little freaking thing. The tiniest little channel can change somebody's life. So I would say start. And I, I like, I like your videos. I'll link to your YouTube channel down below. Everyone should go check it out and subscribe. And I, have a lot of thoughts coming to mind. One, one is that what you were talking about before is that this like th- this ability to put energy in, into YouTube videos to make them quality with a capital Q, like a real quality version of what you want to be out out in the world. And you can also don't have to do that right away. You can just put anything up there, and it gets put into the algorithm. Hundreds of people find it, even if you have no subscribers. Like it goes into the YouTube algorithm where there are millions, of, billions of, of eyeballs on this thing, and and it's you know, doesn't have to be a huge production right away. You can just put something up there like you did. It's such a, you know, courageous way to engage where you're just like, hey, I'm just going to create something. I'm just going to pop it up there and see what happens. It doesn't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Just throw it up there. Let, you know, let it do its thing. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be perfect at all. Um, you know, and there's a lot, there's a lot you can do with very little. Um, and there's, you know, like, for example, I mean, just, just running off the top of my head. If I put a thumbnail in my video, if I put like 10% more effort in titling it right, and if, and if I um, added cuts to the video and I had a, I had a proper hook, I'd probably triple my views. Um, but which but basically what I wanted to do was I just wanted to shoot stuff, throw it out there, see how the algorithm reacts, see, you know, all that stuff. And then like now, like the next video that I'm posting, I'm, I'm actually like, I have an actual storyline with it. I'm going to do editing. I'm going to have like different shots. I'm going to be, I'm going to have like, I'm going to actually like make it a video. 
um, a real video. Right. And so, so yeah, I, um, I would just recommend grow, just grow your channel, just have fun with it. And, um, yeah, there's lots of basic things that you can start doing right now to make an amazing channel. Like I, like yesterday night, I threw up some thumbnails I made on, uh, I just made these in Canva, right? I just, they're just total meme thumbnails. And yeah, like if you go check them out, it's like, like I, I just asked my friends, like, give me some prompts. And it's like, one of them was like, uh, man fights lion with a toothbrush. And then the other one was, um, what was it? I tried an Aztec, uh, ancient Aztec ritual and it for 30 days and then parentheses disaster and it was like mr b like an aztec temple right so like like you could like it's just how the more fun you have with this stuff and the more um the more you learn about the more you learn and learn and willingly um apply the algorithm and the um the just the knowledge of how the the platform works you're gonna grow you're gonna grow so just just like with the content itself have a have a patient long-term mindset with it that's it so you can hope for you got me stoked on on this. I'm excited to go and just be a little more playful with it, take it less seriously, and just throw stuff up there. You know, see see how it goes, see how it works. Just enjoy the enjoy the grind, enjoy the process, and see how it unfolds. Yeah, like have more love with it, but then also know what you're know what you're doing. You know, know like like do some research. I'm like, what is what is the algorithm want? They want watch time, or they want a good click through rate. How do I get a good How do I get good watch time? Make fantastic content that's well paced. How do I get a good click through rate? Have a fantastic thumbnail and have a great title that's copywritten in a way that spikes interest, causes an open curiosity loop. Okay, I click through, boom, I'm in the video, and it makes you want to keep staying because in those first eight to fifteen seconds, you know exactly what the video is about because the guy isn't trying to scam you and lead you on boom you open up the video today's video we're going to break down you know we're going to today's video i'm going to do like 300 hands handstands on this bar and then fall on somebody right today on this video i'm going to go you know take down that guy over there and choke him out in the middle of the beach and get arrested right just like boom easy quick stuff right boom i'm case i'm going to come over here see that guy in the corner i'm going to go and roundhouse kick him in the face and then get run run down by the lapd this is exactly how you do it let's go right just just keep it super simple I wish I was ballsy enough to pull those videos off. A lot, a lot of the best ideas I have, it's always like kind of fearful, like, damn, I, I don't know if I'm ballsy enough to pull that off. And I think those are also like the best things that you can create are the ones that you're a little bit fearful to, to kind of put out there. I mean, one thing that's really interesting for me is you, if I recall, you're in Venice Beach, right? Um, yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah, I mean, I know there's a lot of people, I think Soul Bra's out there or whatever. I know there's like people out in that area and, you know, maybe like collabing for you would be sick, you know, just having like just doing like open beach workouts and then you can like discuss your philosophies like mid, mid mid sets or whatever. That's a good idea. Yeah. And, and dude, it's like, it's, it's LA. Like there's videographers that follow you hundred percent, you know? And so like, just get like a kid to come out, you know, be like, Hey, I'm, 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 uh, I'm having, you know, I'm, I'm filming with, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working out with soul bra or I'm working out with XYZ or on, on Monday, I need a videographer, have a kid come out and have him like, only have him film you guys have him film you guys in, in 60 frames so we can slow it down like have him get six shots of you guys and then he can just give it all to you, you can throw it all together boom and you have a sick video and so yeah you can just do, you don't have you don't have to do this yourself that's the other thing like you you can you we all have friends people we all have like <laughs> family and girlfriends or whatever like they can film us it's not like a you know it's not like it doesn't it's not a solo undertaking and you have you have other people you can like hey you can send the video to how, how is this, right? Do you like this? What should I work on next, right? And you'll get feedback. And so, yeah, just just like, yeah, just treat it as a process. It's fun too. Something new to do. It was last spring, a guy came up to me and he was like, hey, I'm making a YouTube video. 
will you box me? I'm not going to hit back. If you hit, if you knock me out, I, you get $25. Like, sure, whatever. Like I'll do that. Come to find out. Okay. He's got like five, 6,000 YouTube subscribers. The video he turned an Apple into an iPod, into a new iPod. So that was a great video concept. He, he literally traded up an Apple into an iPod during this video. And this guy, this kid, Manuel Boza, now he has 175,000 YouTube followers in less than a year, uh, subscribers. And just from making cool videos and uh, you know, check them out, check the video out. It's, it's cool stuff. And you really can't grow explosively just by putting your heart and soul into the process. And this is, I mean, this is, this is the thing too. It's like, they say, oh, you need to find, what's your niche? And I just say, no, um, what, what, just make things that people are interested in at the end of the day. Like what is Logan Paul's niche? I don't fucking know. He just makes videos that people like. What is like what what is that Zoomer kid? I, I don't know the Zoomer kid's name, but like he's like, I I I lived on a I lived on a penny for a whole week. What's that niche? I don't know. It's a funny story though. It's gonna make you want to watch it. Yeah, that's all that matters. It's not about like, like here's the thing. There's there's two ways to do YouTube. You can do that, or and the other way works just as fine. Like if you are a business and you want to drive traffic to your your thing and book calls and whatever you can easily just dominate a niche right if you don't know your niche that's fine but if you know your niche and you're like i want to use youtube to get more sales clients easy then you just dominate that niche you use all the same principles but you can just work down and own like whatever niche you are sdrs sales marketing video like whatever whatever your thing is you can you can own that niche um so yeah like if you're not a niche niche guy like me you just want to make cool stuff then just no, just make cool stuff and it'll, it'll figure, it, it'll figure itself out. What do you have on the, on the horizon? Do you have anything that you want to talk about? Any cool projects that, that you're, that you're stoked on? Or is it something that you kind of still figuring out and what, or want to keep, keep under wraps? No, I'm just gonna, um, you know, I, I mean, not, nothing. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fairly open book, but yeah, there's nothing like it's it, right now. It's just like set up and grind phase, you know, set up the, um, I have to, I have to transition from generalized video and kind of courses and stuff like that to like specifically YouTube. So I'll, my audience isn't ready for that. So I have to like change up my messaging, make sure that, um, you know, they, they know that. So that's going to take a bit. And then I have to, um, yeah, I'm going to just like go hard with my, my actual personal channel and just make, have fun with that. I'm stoked to follow along and I appreciate you sharing all your tips and strategies and, and your stories so far on, on this episode. Hopefully we can do another one in, in some time and, and you'll be successful on, on YouTube by then with all kinds of great things that, that, we, can, that we can watch and enjoy. I'm looking forward to the journey unfolding in, in a powerful way. I'm sure that it will. Is, is there any sort of last statement or, or message that you'd like to share with, with anyone listening? Mm. No, nah, nothing epic. Just like read the Bible and read. I'm reading Dante's Inferno right now. It's super interesting. So I would say, yeah, like if you like poetry, read Dante's Inferno. Um, I read this book called Basic Christianity um, a few a few weekends ago. And like, if you don't understand Christianity, like I don't, I grew up Catholic, but I don't really know what I was talking about um, or like really know like what Jesus really, really meant and whatnot. So like learning, like reading basic Christianity um, on a deep level and just like, it, it's, it's such a simple, straightforward book. There's no like theology. There's no, um, there's no doctrine in it. It's literally just like, this is what this means. This is why it's important, blah, blah, blah. And it's like a hundred pages. Read it. It's awesome. Um, yeah. Subscribe to my channel. 
Um, follow me on Twitter. Um, send me money. Um, you know, send me, you know, anything you want to send me, you know, guitars, um, firearms, crosses like this, like whatever you, whatever in your mind, you're like, tiger needs this. Just like, send it to me. Right. Send me a letter. Like don't, don't put anthrax in it. Like the last guy, but like, you know, put, you know, have, just have fun with it. Right. Have fun. Send me stuff. Um, send me memes. Um, walk up to me on the street and say, hi, don't mug me. You know, like all these things you can just be doing and you're not doing. So yeah, go after it. Powerful. Awesome. Tiger. Thank you. This whole thing, dude. This is awesome. I love this. Have a good one. 